0: Welcome to The Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. Okay, guys. Bring it. You want to live? Bring it. Another 8.3 years? At least. It's a 10. These dog ears. What do you got to do to to live that much longer? What's the
1: hook, Paul? What's the what's, what's the, the catch? What's the catch? If, if those are
0: dog ears, that kid gets me to 104. I think get a four year college degree. Okay, so you guys got.
1: So I mean? have to go back to school to live yeah. another.
0: <laughs> no, do you and get another? Got yeah. another if, you one? Get, if you get another college degree, yes, you can live another. All right. Now, so this is uh correlation isn't causation. Uh, you know, it, it's one of these studies that I looked at at first, and I go, uh, correlation isn't causation. What are you talking about? If you don't have a four-year degree, you're going to die 8.3 years earlier. Eh, you know, you might, if you look at the demographic that goes to college, there's going to be, you know, there might be a difference there in some circumstances where it's not universal. And, you know, they, right. sometimes there's bad research out there. But there were some things in this article that I wanted to run by you because I think it is really fascinating from so many different perspectives. You know, so and you think about it, some people are more implementation oriented. And what that means is there was there's this old research on from Kathy Colby and Jid that Colby. Oh, there's an remember in that? the past. Yeah, you remember that ever? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, you know, conation. Uh-huh. The idea of conation is I was a seven three seven three. Seven three seven three. So yes, sir. You were quite the fact finder, and you had a bunch of Quick Start. Yes, and not as not as much follow through. And not, not having follow through is not a negative. It just means that you're not going to be an interior decorator, uh, or <laughs> an implementer, which right. is the last one. Which is you're not going to sit there and you know worry about quality workmanship of the drill that you just bought. Um, if you're, if I'm talking too fast for you, it's just cause you don't really need to know this stuff, but <laughs> so let's move on to the next topic, but no, but no, but no, but this is the point on implementer. It's, you know, some people just, they're not going to be fact finder oriented. In other words, they're not going to be research, 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 research. They're going to be more, I'm going to go build a house or I'm going to, you know, work outside, or I'm going to work mm-hmm. with my hands or something like that. Uh, so sometimes people will be in occupations that can be great paying occupations. You can be a plumber, electrician, yeah. you're know, be doing just great work. And you might be the most conscientious person in the world, mm-hmm. which I don't, they didn't measure conscientiousness in this particular research. But, you know, the, it, you could look at these types of things and go, well, that's probably a bigger determinant of your life expectancy. So don't read too much into this. But- it would, be this, it would be interesting to see more the level of kind of training that people have and also the family background of these people, why they live longer. But here's what I thought was interesting. It said, for a 25-year-old 25, 25 men, the education-related adult life expectancy difference climbed to 8.3% in, or 8.3 years, excuse me, in 2021 from 6.3 years in 2019 and 4.2 years in 1992. So it's a pretty big difference. Yeah, pretty big difference here. A difference means that, and here's what I thought was fascinating is what they attributed the difference to. The difference means that in 2021, a 25-year-old man could hope to live an average age of 79 if he had a bachelor's degree and to an average age of 71 if no college education. And it says, what was the difference attributed to? It was access to healthcare was one of the things that they found. So you could think that possibly if somebody is in a trade, they might not have the access to healthcare that somebody else does has because you know maybe you work for a company, and you're let's say you have a college degree that you had to have to work for that company. They're going to have this big group plan and you're going to have better insurance than the person that's buying an individual coverage, possibly. Could be. Uh, that could be one of them. It could, you know, sometimes you find that younger people in general go without health insurance because they're bulletproof, you know. And whereas you go to work for a company and you're a younger person that just comes out of college, you're automatically going to have access to healthcare, you know, yeah. re- whether you think you need it or not. So that could be one uh, one contributor to this. And it says, um, also, underlying differences between people with college degrees and other people, and other factors such as strength of social welfare programs. But here's where I think it gets really interesting. While mortality rates and mortality trends for less and more educated people in other rich countries differ on both levels and trends, the U.S. appears to be the only Western country where life expectancies are trending in different directions. You know, so in essence, what they're saying here is that you have other countries around the world where they're, they're not, they're all under, you know, these, uh, their their benefit levels are very, very similar yeah. between them. For agents, and this is the part that really got my attention. For agents and advisors, the growing education-based mortality gap could complement and uh, complicate the efforts to find adequate, reasonably priced life insurance. This is where I think it gets interesting from a financial planning perspective. Hmm. So they're looking at it and going, okay, now you guys both have sold life insurance in your past. You sold life insurance, didn't you, Evan, back in the past? And and I did as well, and Ira, know you did. did. If you look at this, was did you have a college degree ever on any application for life insurance that you rec- that you recall? No, no, no. And now it's becoming an issue. I think that's fascinating. It's on the application, you mean? No, they're they're looking at it, and going, just, "This is a big difference a in point. mortality." You have a almost an eight year difference in mortality between somebody with a college education and somebody without. And, there, and you know, there, there are going to be differences in there. You know, some people are going to be more fastidious when it comes to, you know, their level of conscientiousness, as I talked about, one of the big five personality traits. But you look at this and go, well, wait a minute. Do I got to go get a college degree just so I have lower cost life insurance? Um, but here's the other thing that I think is interesting from a financial planning <laughs> standpoint. You guys will get a kick out of this. Uh, is that... Reasonably priced life insurance, uh, number one, is one. But it also could complicate efforts to allocate assets to annuities to make other retirement planning choices. Now, think about this. If you have, and we know that there's a differential, Mm -hmm. and there are exceptions to everything, but we know that there's a differential in level of income, typically in college education, right? Right. We've seen the research yes. on that. Yes. There is, there still is that, that differential. Now, you can do things, you can go to a trade school and you can do just fine. I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't things that you could do, but in general. Now, what group of people would be more likely to buy an annuity, you know, when it comes down to it, with somebody with a ton of money, with lots of assets? Or somebody that is very, very... Now, even I, you know, people say, oh, you hate annuities always. You know, some financial advisors say that. Yeah. no, oh, those guys are Winkler, you know, they, they, they all hate annuities. No, there are certain times that they make sense. Yeah. But how many people actually annuitize, which uh, is... It's like 3%. I yeah, think. it's ridiculously yeah. low, Evan. Yeah, exactly. And annuitization is taking your lump sum of money, handing it to an insurance company... And saying, hey, I've got $100,000, pay me an income that I can't outlive. And typically, when I've recommended these things, it's been when somebody's of advanced age, they're in their 80s and they're about to run out of money. Mm-hmm. And they just can't afford to run out of money. And the last thing on their mind is anybody inheriting their asset. They, they just want to yeah. make sure that they have enough to make it out with dignity. Right. So that is when annuitization makes sense. That's what they were actually developed for. They are almost never used for that purpose because the investment advisors make a lot more commission selling them as an investment accumulation product. And and people don't like giving up that control. They don't. I mean, it's, there's don't. a
1: behavioral component to that as well.
0: So back to who would be more likely to use this product for its initially designed purpose would be people... With not much money left, and and typically those types of people are going to be people that didn't have high incomes throughout their working career, so they didn't accumulate enough. Mm-hmm. And there can be that aspect of those people that didn't have high income, but they were just fastidious regarding saving money. So mm-hmm. you can have exceptions to that rule, too. right? Yeah. But here's the thing. Who is it that is going to get hosed buying an annuity because they're not going to get as much money as they would like to get? from the product when they annuitize it it would be the people that don't typically end up being college educated mm-hmm. they're the ones that are getting the raw deal cuz they've the shorter life expectancy right yeah right if you have a shorter life expectancy an annuity is even a worse deal for you yeah if you think about it because well because- only
1: if you annuitize
0: If you annuitize, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Yeah, and that's what I'm saying, Ira, is if you annuitize, it is a bad deal. It's a bad deal either way if you don't, because I don't think they're a good accumulation product. But the point is, if you have, let's say that you have a life expectancy, just so you understand what I'm saying here, if this is confusing, I've got $100,000, and I have a life expectancy of 10 years, how much income am I, am I going to get out of this thing if there's no interest? 10000 per year is, you know, and then I would run out of money after 10 years. But if I'm still living, I'm going to get 10000 a year. For, and let's say I'll have a 20-year life. My life expectancy well, is 10 years,
1: but I live 20 years. All right, so let's hold on. Let's clarify that. All right. Because if you do a life annuity, at with the insurance company is going to look at your age mm-hmm. and your mo- expected mortality based upon their calculations. Correct. So if they think you're going to live eight years, at eight years you're actually not going to get that hundred thousand dollars out because there is going to be part of a calculation: what if you do live longer? Right. The only way you're going to get so your hundred thousand they're going to take some out, of that
0: mortality risk. You know, they're not going to take it all.
1: The only way you're going to get your hundred thousand dollars out over that 10 year period is if you do a 10 year period certain, yeah, correct. But then if you live after that, you don't get anything out, right? If you do a 10 year period certain and life, right? Meaning, if you die in the sixth year, your beneficiary will get money for four years. If you okay, if you live past the 10 if you year, do the period, year period, yeah then you'll continue to get money. Right, right. But if you do a 10-year period certain and life, you're not going to get that $100,000 out. Only if you do a 10-year period certain, but then you're not going to get money in the 11th year.
0: Right, right, exactly. So let's take this just from the life expectancy, though, and make this super simple for everybody. So you've got a 10-year life, you're 75, and let's say your life expectancy is 85, and you do forget the 10-year certain you just do a an annuitization on that hundred thousand dollars and let's say let's keep this really simple that the insurance company doesn't have any kind of a profit motive (laughs) and they there's no interest involved they became philanthropic they became philanthropic you got a 10-year life expectancy they're going to give you ten thousand dollars a year for 10 years at the end of 10 years They've paid you $100,000. If you only live three years, they only pay you three times $10,000 or $30,000. You lose $70,000. Okay, so you got that so far. If you live 20 years, you've been paid $10,000 a year for 20 years. You got $200,000. You win. You win if you live longer. Who is more likely to buy this product? Someone with a shorter life expectancy in the whole group of thing, they're more likely to only get three payments of $10,000. They're more likely to get hosed, and they're more likely to buy the product. Hey, folks, I want to tell you something I'm really excited about. My new book, Confident Financial Planning, is finally out. It's in paperback, hardcover, Kindle version, and I actually have an audiobook version of it. Uh, talks about building your financial castle. I use that throughout the book, talking about your investments, your financial plan is kind of like a castle. You have your savings and your emergency funds. I talk about that debt, good debt, bad debt. Talk about special goal funds and how to set those things up and how to invest for those types of special things that you might want to do in the future. Types of retirement accounts, different types of taxation of investment accounts. Talk about real estate investing and pros and cons of that, how to project retirement assets, and your moat. You know, that's how you protect your castle. It's the risk management aspect of a financial plan. If you want to find out more about that, you go to paulwinkler.com forward slash book to get it. And I uh, hope you enjoy. So, um, guys, yes, I. this is something Matt, Matt Murphy and I were talking about. Did you see somebody told me about the crypto the new cryptocurrency oh. oh, uh, that go. was created by ai yeah you see that no you were talking about friday oh yeah that's right you you heard me on the on and the radio do what now they created a cryptocurrency by using ai they did the marketing they created the uh the logo they created everything using ai and this guy it took off like crazy it just shows you that people will buy anything
1: anything <laughs> And they will buy. Bot.
0: They will. They will buy anything. But you know, it's really interesting. There is a big financial firm, who shall remain. <laughs> say it. Say it. <laughs> Edelman. Edelman. Uh, he's really big. He's. Oh my he's god. Really. He, he is really big into the crypto. He just loves this stuff, and he's so mad about the idea of regulating crypto. It, it just. It makes him really. And I'm just going. Don't. It's not an investment, guys. It is not an investment. Don't do it. Uh, but anyway, so this this was on CNBC this past week, right here. I want to go back to crypto for just a minute? You mentioned KYC and AML rules, anti-money laundering rules, know your client rules. Isn't the whole point of crypto to you know preserve anonymity for the owners of crypto? And and how hard will it be if you do have if you did have rules like that in the U.S. and other countries? Would crypto just disappear because a lot of people just wouldn't want to own it because the whole point for them is to stay off the grid. I mean, think about that. If all of a sudden you're regulating and going, you know what, Uh, you guys can't hide. And, you know, we had the whole thing that supposedly, Mm -hmm. if you buy something using crypto and you happen to be one of these lucky people that actually made money, you bought a crypto at one price and then you sold it, turned it back into dollars Uh to buy something that you wanted to buy, there's technically a taxable gain there. And you're supposed to pay taxes on that. Correct. I, I don't know if, how much they're, Evan, you probably know more. Are they actually tracking that and they have any ability to track that? They are starting to have that. They're starting to yes. do that. So, okay, So, there's, there's Co- a regulation. Coinbase issued, uh, it, wasn't
1: a, it wasn't a 1099B, mm-hmm. but it was basically a list of transactions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're, they are starting to track that so that you are able to file your tax return.
0: So if they're looking at this and regulating and going, okay, now we're going to regulate it and you're not necessarily going to have this ability to hide you know, behind it, right? You know, money launder or, or whatever you're doing, you know, drug transactions or, or whatever people are trying to use it for, mm-hmm. doesn't that take some of the attractiveness out of crypto? Not number one. Now, it, it was never, but you think about it, it it's like, like any currency. When you look at currencies in general, they can fluctuate in value. Mm-hmm. And the idea being that you use a currency as an investment, it wasn't really what the whole thing is. This is one of the attractive things. It yeah. wasn't necessarily that it was going to make money as an investment. But that's what they're talking about here. Technology creating risk, but also creating opportunity. Uh, certainly, there were crypto products. That were designed to be anonymous and the like, and then you know quite useful for nefarious activity. Right. 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 But hundred dollar bills, okay? People use hundred dollar bills for nefarious activity. Are we going to shift from hundred dollar bills to programmable money? Yeah, it's a whole different deal because hundred dollar bills are real bill, and real money. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services is offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., PWI, an investment advisor registered in the state of Tennessee. PWI does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation. This information is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any securities.